0: Preliminary issues regarding the reading that we're going to do in 1 Samuel 17 today. We have talked about, defined and illustrated the the need for Christians to be consecrated in their lives. That means to have a dedication of your uh, possessions and of your body and all that you have control over uh, to the Lord. That's consecration, that's dedication of one's person and possessions. And we talked that out of that consecration comes a conviction, whereas where you have a belief system that just will not waver. You know what's right, you stand for what's right, you know what's wrong, you avoid what's wrong. Conviction. That means that as a Christian, we know where we ought to be on the Lord's day. And if we, kind of, if we have consecrated ourselves and if, you know, now that there aren't exceptions to that, we're not talking about that, but we, we know where we're going to be because we have consecrated our person and our possessions to the things of God and we have a conviction that is the driving force and with that conviction we have courage to act on that conviction. So we've spent two weeks discussing those as the, are really the, the summary of the Christian life, that the the epistles all weave into those three ideas, consecration, conviction, and courage. So in 1 Samuel chapter 17, <clears throat> I have it made today, all I have to do is read. I don't have to do any thinking at all, which is probably really good today. <clears throat> uh... So we're asking ourselves, will, will we find these qualities in David? We find that David was very covenant conscious. And the covenant as, you know, each of us hearing about it, believing what God has said about it, And obeying the terms of that covenant. We realize that the covenant has demands. But in that covenant are where all of the promises and blessings of God are. That's where they habitat. Is in a covenant. We must know what God has done. And we must know what it looks like. And David was the sort of a guy. He knew the difference. He becomes a standout in our text today because he knew the difference between being under a covenant with God and those Philistines who were a non-covenant people. He knew the difference. He also understood that the covenant was the basis upon how God made his choice regarding people. He doesn't choose you. But when you become a part of the covenant agreement, you become a part of that which God has chosen. And there's no promises outside of it. Let's go to 1 Samuel chapter 17 and verse 16. <clears throat> now, I wish Joe Von were here today because he could tell you this and make it I mean, he'd have you either rolling in the aisles or, you know, he'd he'd get you all worked up. I don't have that ability, but the word won't be changed just because uh, what we're going to do is primarily read the 17th chapter. But beginning in verse 16, the Philistine came forth and why we call it one of the 90 day periods. Of the Bible, and by the way, if you have nine 40-day periods, how many total days do you have? 360. 360 <coughs> a solar year. So the 940-day periods were really meant to convey the whole life in his perspective of how we take it seriously, meaningfully and consequentially. Alright, verse 16. The Philistine came forward morning and evening <clears throat> for thirty-three days. days. Okay, so you are with me. That's fine. That's really all I wanted to know. For forty days and took his stand. Forty days he took his stand in defiance of the covenant people of that time who were called Israelites. Now go back to verse, um, <clears throat> let's go back to verse 8. The Philistines were on, you remember in verse 3, they stood on the mountain on one side while Israel stood on the mountain on the other side. and They had the valley in between. Uh, let's go on to verse 8. He stood, uh, the Philistines stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel and said to them, why do you come out to, uh, to draw up in battle array? Am I not the Philistine and new servants of Saul? Choose a man. Get serious. Choose a particular person for yourselves. Let him come down to me. Let, let's, get, let's get serious here about this battle. We'll just float along here for years. We'll be like Vietnam. No victory. Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down. That's what Goliath was taunting the children of Israel with. Verse number nine if he is able, this is chapter 1 Samuel 17, verse 9. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will become your servants. But if I prevail against him, and why do you suppose that he was making this appeal? Because he was pretty confident. Don't you think? He was confident. After all, he was a big dude. If I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall become our servants and serve us. And boy, we'd like that. You guys are good workers. You've been in that church in Coolidge for a long time, and we know that you're serious about what it is you do. We'd like you guys. And the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. <coughs> And when Saul, verse 11, when Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistines, they gathered up their courage and said, let's go after that dude. That's not what my Bible reads. They were dismayed, and that included the brothers of David. They were dismayed and greatly afraid. Then of course we have David introduced in verse fourteen. He was the youngest, uh, and uh, of of the of the boys, and uh, the other the three oldest brothers, they had followed Saul, and they were back playing tiddlywinks back there uh, with Goliath and hearing him and trembling in their boots. Verse 16, the Philistine came forward morning and evening with that message of taunting the children of Israel for 40 days, took his stand, at least he, he stood for what he believed, he was confident, he was arrogant, and he was challenging the people of God. They were the covenant people of God, and he despised that they had a covenant with God. See, that's why Hitler, that's why Hitler Massacred the Jews is because as long as the Jews survived, they they are the ones who had a covenant with God. That covenant is expressed in the in the Bible, in our Bible, in the Bible that you and I have in our hands. And as long as the nation of Israel continues to exist. It always reminds people that there is a Bible and its truth is discovered in Israel as a nation. However, today we realize they are not the covenant people of God, but as a nation they still represent to the world that the Bible is true and their history is deeply rooted in that truth and that the Messiah came through them, and anything we can do to destroy Israel, we're for it, right? That's how a lot of the world, that's how some of our political uh, rulers are thinking today. Because they represent not a covenant with God, they represent the history of God from whence we come. See the difference? <clears throat> and that just burns. I mean, as long as that nation continues, it, it people are just getting fried over that truth, and there's nothing they can do about it, because they are in fact a nation. They're there. Well, <clears throat> Jesse sends the younger boy David out to the battlefront. So in verse 20, David arose early in the mornings, left the flock with the keeper, and took the supplies, and and went as Jesse had commanded him, and he came to the circle of the camp while the army was going out in battle array, shouting the war cry. Empty words. They had no intention of selecting a man and going out to Goliath. You see that? Israel and the Philistines drew up in battle array, army against army. Then David left his baggage in the care of the baggage keeper, and uh, he moved on, verse 24, when, when the men of Israel saw the man, they fled from him and were greatly afraid. That is, Goliath, they were afraid and they fled from him. So after 40 days, you would think, why do I bother going out to the battlefront? All we're going to do is go out there and see this guy and we're going to run. The men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who is coming up? Surely he is coming up to defy Israel. And it will be that the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches. And then David in verse 26. I'm skipping some places here. Then David said to the men who were standing by him saying, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? See, he considered it a reproach for Israel to allow this Philistine to defy the people of God. Now, here is a man who has some conviction. He knows the difference between truth and error, between covenant people and non-covenant people, between what's being right and what isn't being right, he had a conviction. So he spoke to the men who were standing by him, saying, What will be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should taunt the armies of the living God? Now there is a man of conviction. He had individually consecrated himself to be a servant of God. And in that consecration or dedication of himself, he he has a conviction, deep conviction about the things of God where the things of God are always first. even on Super Sunday. <laughs> so the people answered him, and uh, let's go to, over to verse 32. David said to Saul, he had gone to see Saul, he had heard how the children of Israel were wimping their way through this situation. And he said to Saul, Look at the courage that David has to the king. Let no man's heart fail on account of Goliath. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Saul said to David, You're not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. You are but a youth. He's been a warrior from his youth. David said to Saul, verse 34, Your servant was tending, that is himself, I was tending my father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went out after him. See, now he was prepared for this opportunity to express his courage. There is something about when you have a life that is dedicated to God, you begin to use every opportunity you can to develop your life in any way possible to get prepared for whatever comes your way in life. Now that was a long sentence. Who can feed it back to me? When a life is dedicated to Christ... And it's covered with consecration and conviction. Your life, you begin in your life to develop everything about your life that you have potentially within you to be your best so that when the time comes, you're prepared. So many people today, our little children never are developed to their potential to meet any crises in life and to take a stand for what's right because they're not prepared. They're not prepared. That has to begin in their youth. And there has to be a repetitious learning process And what maybe it's music, whatever the art is, or whatever the skill is, it has to begin young. And here David, where were we? Um, okay, in verse 134. Here David, had pre- he was a prepared man because when crises had come to him earlier in life, he had developed... Look at the skills... When a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went out after him. Not everybody's going to be able to do that. Not everybody is going to be threatened with a lion or a bear in, in, after the flock. But whatever it is in your life that you have a talent for, you need to develop it into a skill so that when the opportunity arises, you're prepared for it. That's one of the great things about college and learning. It isn't that you learn anything you didn't already know. It's the discipline of being committed to a process. I went out after him and I attacked this bear and this lion. I rescued, I rescued the lamb from his mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Now, not many of you can see that here today. Anybody ever killed a bear? <clears throat> now, I've never had one attack me. I've been from here to that wall from a bear. I, you know, he was in my huckleberry patch. And he was standing on his hind feet, picking huckleberries. And I was over here about 30 feet. I don't know, maybe that's 30 or 40 feet. Beside him, and I was picking huckleberries. He didn't bother me, and I sure didn't bother him. I went around the corner, and there it was. This last summer, I was up there, and I went around to the corner, and here was a bear in my blackberry patch. I tried to get just a little, it was much further away than that. I tried to get a little bit closer. I got a picture, but all I got was a fox. I didn't get it. He, he moved. He, he didn't stay put. I don't like bear in my berry patches. Anyway, <clears throat> I've never had the opportunity to have to fight one and kill it. But you see, it's because they were after one of the family's money-producing machines, and that's a lamb. So David was protecting their, their source of revenue, and that was in their farm product, their lamb. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. Verse 36. And this uncircumcised Philistines will be like one of them. Since he has taunted. Notice here the consecration. He knew where he stood. Since he has taunted the armies of the living God. And I do not stand for anyone taunting those things that I know about. My God, and we just let it do. We just let it go on. We don't stop people. Then, verse thirty-eight, Saul say, clothed David, and you know, David took them off in verse thirty-nine. The last, he took them off. He took his, he took his stick in his hand and chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. Uh, brook, you know all about that. And so, verse forty-one. Then the Philistine came on and approached David, and with the shield-bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he trembled and fell at his feet for mercy. No. No? That isn't how it goes? Oh, I'm glad you folks are staying right with me today. I need that today. When the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him, for he was but a youth and rudy with a handsome appearance already oh, ready. oh okay 2d's <laughs> Two 2d's Two yeah. that's right it cancels the long u yeah, it does. yep <clears throat> and the Philistines said to david am i a dog that you come to me with sticks now remember we're reading this as a summary Of what we've been discussing about consecration, conviction, and courage. And are we finding those qualities in the life of David? Absolutely. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come out to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. Verse 44, the Philistine also said to David, Come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. You would expect him to say that. Then in verse 45, David said to the Philistine, "All right, now, he had a few things to say too. Oh yeah, David was going to say something to this big guy. You come to me with a sword, a spear, and a javelin, but I come to you in the character. The word name there is not the word for label. It's the word for character. It's the word nomatos. It's the word nomenclature, it means a full disclosure of, I come to you in the character, in the whole view of God, I come to you in the character of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have taunted." This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands and I will strike you down and remove your head from you. And I will give the dead bodies of the army of the Philistines this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth. That all the earth may know. Now here is his purpose. Now our means of battle today has a different nature in the new covenant. But notice that what David did, he has in mind, he had a consecrated, dedicated life. He had a conviction that he stood on, and he had from that conviction a courage that could not be squelched. But all of that because there was a purpose in his mind in this circumstance that all the earth... I'm doing this so that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Now there's purpose. And that, this, that all this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword or spear, for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. The problem we have today even though the nature of our battle and how we fight our battles is different under the New Covenant, we fight battles that are not the Lord's battles. The Lord's battles have something to do with what the Lord's purpose is. But more about that later, maybe. Then it happened when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to David that David, cowardly, ran back and hid behind a mulberry bush. And it had four prickly pears. Oh, no, that's, no, that's the wrong text there. That David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. Not timid, he had his mindset, he knew where his heart was, he had a conviction. "...of what he believed, and he had the courage to act on it. So he could run quickly toward the battle line, and he put his hand into the battle, uh, to the bag, and from it a stone, and slung it, and struck the Philistine on his forehead." And the stone sank into his forehead so that he fell on his face to the ground. Thus David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone, and he struck the Philistine and killed him, but there was no sword in David's hand. So then you remember how he ran and took the sword from Goliath and used his own, uh, Goliath's own sword to cut off his head. And verse 54, and then David took the Philistine's head and brought it to Jerusalem. It must have been a, you know, he had a big head. I don't know, you know, how that would go over today, walking through town with a big, somebody's big head in your arms. (laughs) Tongue hanging out. (laughs) Eyes wide open. Then David took the Philistine's head and brought it to Jerusalem and he put his weapon in his tent. Now when, and, uh, when, David saw, uh, when, when Saul saw David going out against the Philistine, he said to Abner, the commander of the army, Abner, whose son is this young man? See, here's a man who had consecration, he had conviction, and he had courage, and people marvel when they see those qualities in someone. And Abner said, by your life, O king, I do not know this guy. (laughs) The king said, you inquire, you find out whose son the youth is. So when David returned from killing the Philistine, verse 57, Abner took him, brought him before Saul with the Philistine's head in his hand. Saul said to him, whose son are you, young man? And David answered, I am the son of your servant, Jesse the Bethlehemite. Now that's a story that you don't want to forget. Did David have conviction? Yep. Did he have courage? Yep. Did he know what God's purpose was? Yes, he knew that. And he acted accordingly. Now, I'd like to have you go with me to 1 Samuel chapter 15. You thought I was going to go home, didn't you? No, we're not quite ready for that yet. Uh, <clears throat> I want to get on to uh, number five next week. Uh, uh, if we, if because the following week, you know, is uh, Resurrection Sunday. By the way, we have a breakfast that week, don't we? That's two weeks from today. Breakfast is at three thirty a.m. And if you're here that early, why you can maybe take a nap on the pew. Uh, look at chapter fifteen <clears throat> and verse twenty-two. <clears throat> Now, let me tell you what, what are, why we're going here. Consecration, or the individual dedication, the deliberate dedication of one's person and of one's possessions to God, is for those who are serious about God. Folks, those who are not serious about God will never become dedicated Christians. You must be serious about God and serious about His purpose. Consecration is what breaks the back of rebellion. Rebellion is what sets us up and prepares us for the occult. Anybody know what the occult is? Anybody ever hear about the occult? Witchcraft is prevalent. Most of our churches, even the Protestant community today, is filled with elements of the occult. They have little voices speaking to them. They have all kinds of so-called miraculous powers that all comes from the occult. Folks, there's only one way to break that, and that's beginning with a dedicated life. Look at 1 Samuel 15 and verse 22, and we'll close. <clears throat> well, maybe, maybe not. <laughs> Samuel said, has the Lord so much... This is verse 22 of 1 Samuel 15. Has the, this is just two chapters behind, uh, before where we just were. Has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than Sacrifice. See, obedience comes from consecration. I will do what the Lord desires me to do because I'm dedicating my life to Him and to His service. Folks, I don't know about you, but that's the way I want to die. I want to die with a life that is consecrated to the work of the Lord. (coughs) Be... To obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of ram. Now, notice verse 23. For rebellion, that lack of being deliberately obedient to what God has commanded. Rebellion is as the sin of the occult or of divination. So, rebellion acts And sets us up for what's going on in Protestantism today, Catholicism today, in many of the world religions today. All have elements of the occult. And then you have the cult that has collected all of those things out of all of those groups. And they specialize in only those things that are witchcraft. But remember that all begins with a spirit of rebellion and people who have rebelled against the uh, in um, have rebelled against God by disobedient to God are those people who are set up for the gospel perverted that's being broadcast today and people remain in their rebellion and become affiliated with all of those churches by the thousands Because they they are having their rebellion reflected in their disobedience to the gospel. They are set up by rebellion to become victims of the occult in its many applications. The reason that David had conviction and had courage is because he was obedient out of his consecration to God. And with that consecration to God, without a spirit of rebellion, he had the conviction and the courage to always do the right thing at the right time in the right way, particularly in our event here in 1 Samuel 17. So, just a couple of things and we'll close. A right relationship with God is so often scorned and targeted how Goliath hated truth and the people who embraced it. Because he was a part of the occult of that time. He didn't want to see people who were faithful and loyal to God with no rebellion. That's why he was taunting the people of Israel. But David had a clear picture of that covenant and who was who according to that covenant, and he took his stand with the right people. And then another thing is we have to choose our battles that agree with God's purpose. So that means that we must know what God's purpose is for our dispensation, for our covenant, and we must know the means of fighting those battles for God's truth today. in Matthew 10, 28 and we'll close with this verse and I, that's true we will close with that verse and I, if that gun back there doesn't go down I may not get to this one <clears throat> I know what you're thinking <clears throat> we'll shut him up <clears throat> alright uh, Matthew 10, 28 Dear not fear those who kill the body But they are unable to kill the soul. See, this is a matter of getting your consecration in the right place. Do not fear those who take away from you everything you've got. Because those people are unable to kill the soul. If you're consecrated and have conviction and courage, you may die. Do not fear those who kill the body but are unable to kill the soul. But who ought we to fear? Fear Him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now that's where we need to get serious. Every, every church in the town of Coolidge who preaches a gospel that isn't true to the New Testament and the people believe that gospel, their destiny is not heaven. And the people will be afraid of those who might come in and take away their house and their property, but they won't fear the teaching that will not bring them into a covenant relationship with God. And that's what that verse is talking about and I said I'd quit there and I will and I want you to ponder that so in the life of David we see consecration conviction and courage exemplified recorded we have that as an example and now we just have to relate that to our covenant and to the processes that God has in Ephesians 6 11, and 12 for us under our covenant today the fact is Or the question is, do we have what David had to carry out our mission for God today? I think it was number 14.